Good Tuesday morning, breaking overnight, another deadly shooting. Yeah, this time at one of the nation's largest universities. We've got complete coverage. It's February 14th. This is today. Chaos on campus. A gunman goes on a shooting spree at Michigan State University inside an academic hall, then in the student union. Three people killed five others in critical condition. Our campus grieves. We will all grieve. Students locking themselves in dorm rooms and classrooms during an hours-long manhunt, ending with the suspect taking his own life. This morning, the search for answers and a live interview with a student who jumped out of a window to escape the gunfire. UFO mystery inside the race to recover those three objects shot out of the skies by U.S. fighter jets. There was a very real potential risk to civilian air traffic. This morning, the growing questions. Just what are they? Where did they come from? And what were they looking for? Breaking overnight, remarkable rescues. Two brothers pulled alive after being trapped for more than a week in the rubble in Turkey. The amazing story of survival and the new hope it's giving families and rescue crews. Inflation Nation, key new economic numbers being released this morning, where those sky-high prices are heading and the impact on your bottom line. Those stories plus, touchdown. The Kansas City Chiefs arrive back home, while MVP Patrick Mahomes makes the traditional pit stop at Disneyland inside the team's plan for a massive victory parade. And the record that Rihanna smashed with her unforgettable halftime show. And love is in the air. It's Valentine's Day. We've got everything you need to know, whether you're looking for love or you've already found that special someone. And some big surprises as we get ready to celebrate today, Tuesday, February 14th, 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Cuppy, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Good morning. Good to see you. Welcome to today. It's a Tuesday morning. We're happy that you're joining us. Yeah, nice to have you along. But we got to get right to this breaking news out of Michigan State University overnight. At least three people have been killed. Several others were injured in a shooting rampage on campus. Yeah, police confirming the gunman is dead after an hours long manhunt. But this morning, the motive still a mystery. The shooter apparently having no link to the school. In just a moment, we're going to talk to a student who was inside the lecture hall where the shooting started, along with her mother who she called right away, and you can hear the sound of gunfire through the phone. But we're going to start with NBC's Shaq Brewster. He made his way to the Michigan State campus overnight. Hey, Shaq, good morning. Good morning. We just learned that President Biden called Governor Whitmer overnight to offer federal support. Investigators here say while the threat is over, the investigation is just beginning. This is a shooting that began in a campus building that was open to the public, did not require any special access. But now they're looking to see why. They say they have no idea why a gunman came to their campus. Overnight, a deadly rampage at Michigan State University. Prompting an hours-long campus lockdown. Reports of shots fired. Send out an additional alert. Continue shelter in place. The first calls coming in around 8.18 p.m. Within minutes, hundreds of officers swarming Berkey Hall, where authorities say two people were killed. The suspected gunman fled to the nearby Student Union building, where police say another person died. This truly has been a nightmare that we are living tonight. 
Police later releasing these surveillance photos of the suspected gunman. Then just after midnight in the nearby city of Lansing, with police closing in, the fleeing shooter took his own life. Your shot fire 2349. Subject down. Suspect has uh, died from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. The gunman's motives remain unclear, but overnight, police describing him as a 43-year-old man with no apparent ties to the school. He's not a student, faculty, staff, and we have no idea why he came to campus to do this uh, tonight. Last night's deadly campus shooting taking place just one day before the fifth anniversary of the Parkland School massacre in Florida that left 17 dead. And less than 100 miles away from Oxford High School, where four students were killed in 2021. One mother telling our NBC affiliate WDIV her daughter, who survived the Oxford attack, was forced to shelter in place last night at Michigan State. It, it was like reliving Oxford. It was yeah. absolutely unbelievably terrifying. Other MSU students left terrified. Never did I think this would happen. Excuse me. This morning, as investigators work to piece together the nation's latest mass shooting, another community forced to mourn the senseless loss of life while calling for an end to the violence that never seems to come. Our campus grieves. We will all grieve. We cannot allow this to continue to happen. And this morning, police say they are looking into more than five false reports that came in in other locations of the campus at the same time of this shooting. The deputy police chief calling it a focal point of the investigation. Meanwhile, all classes and campus activities have been suspended or canceled for the next two days. Guys. All right, Shaq Brewster for us there. Shaq, thank you. We're joined now by Claire Papulius, a sophomore who was inside Berkey Hall where the gunfire broke out, and her mom, Natalie, who was on the phone with her during part of this incident. Good morning to both of you. We're glad you're with mm. us, glad to see you okay, Claire. But can you take us through what you experienced last night? Um, yeah, because it was very memorable in a traumatic way. <laughs> very, like, I'm still very shaken up. Um, Last night, um, I had my um, IH211C class, which is, um, it's like an integral studies class. It's kind of about like the historical um, significance of Cuba and history. And just, it's like very interesting class. I love history. And it's usually from 7 um, to 8.50. And um, the classroom's not huge. Um, there's probably like 20-ish, 30 people maybe in there. And um, I usually sit on about the third or fourth row, smack dab in the middle. Um, and I always sit right next to the same um, girl when I go to that class every single day. Um, and when I was in class, it was around, I'd like to say, eight, almost 8.20, it felt like, a little before then. Um, I was sitting and my professor was lecturing. And then I heard... Like, it was either four, three or four, like, really, I could hear gunshots, like, directly behind my head. And I could see the smoke, like, gunpowder or something from the weapon firing. And then I could smell. And immediately, I dropped to the floor with all my classmates. And someone was yelling that there was a shooter. And everybody needed to get down on the ground. And at that moment, I um, thought that I was going to die. I was so scared. Um, I didn't cry, which is surprising for me. Um, I just like kind of kept quiet and I called my mom and mom, what did you hear on the phone? I, I, I heard like three gunshots and screaming 
And we jumped in our car and drove up there. Um, and after um, I heard those gunshots, um, my classmates in the back of the classroom started to scream for help. And my other classmates jumped into action and tr trying to help everyone. If it weren't for my classmates helping everyone, I don't think that we would have all made it. Because immediately someone was like, we need to break open this window. We need to break open this window. So they immediately, immediately after he was done, like, firing, and the kids in the back were screaming for help, um, I saw a boy, and he, like, had his shirt off, and he was running to see if he could go and close the door because the shooter, he came in through the back door. So there's a door here, and there's a door here, and he came through the back, and he just started attacking people. And um, I will never forget the screams of my classmates as they were, like, screaming in pain for help. And after they got the window open, they started to guide people through. And it's um, a weird window because the bottom is, like, a small rectangle, and it's about this big. And it only kind of opens, like, one way. It kind of tilts down. But the top was, like, a larger pane, but there, it's way harder to crawl over it because it's, like, way high up. And I was really scared and people were crawling through the window. And I'd say I was like one of the like either first-ish kind of people or like maybe like in the middle to climb out the window. But there was a boy in my class and he was waiting outside the window and he was catching people and helping people down. And I'm so grateful that he was there to help people out of the window so they wouldn't fall and they could run away. And as soon as I felt like fell out of the window I kind of like hit the ground a little and then I didn't have my laptop and I didn't have my textbook I just grabbed my backpack and my phone and I remember I just ran for my life I didn't know where the guy was I assume he was somewhere in the vicinity I just kind of looked around and just ran and um that's what my other classmates did as well when they were exiting they just kind of ran in all sorts of directions and my boyfriend um, Cameron, he's also a sophomore at Michigan State, and he usually comes and picks me up from that class. So he'll usually come and sit in the lobby at 830. Yeah. Um, he didn't um, because his roommate was actually sick and he was helping him. So I think if my boyfriend was there, um, he would have definitely gotten injured um, for sure. So I almost think that was like, I don't know, like a miracle or something that he was not there when the shooter entered the building. That, that, is the, that is one of the most harrowing tales. We're so happy to see you here. Claire, when, when he walked in the classroom, did he say anything or did you just hear the no, gunshots first? I just heard the gunshots and everybody dropped. And I thought I was trying to process what, what was happening. And I kind of was like disassociating. I felt super spaced out and my heart dropped and my chest just tightened. And I just was, like, so scared until they got that window open. And then, like, a wave of relief, like, flowed over me mm. as everyone was, like, helping each other, like, exit the classroom. And then my brave classmates in the back that were helping those who were injured. Um, that must have been very, very scary oh, for them. I cannot they imagine. They were doing as much as they could. Mm -hmm. I, 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 as you, you said it yourself, it's, it's a traumatizing event, mm -hmm. what you have witnessed just mm -hmm. hours ago. And to be reunited with your mom, Natalie, I, I can only imagine mm -hmm. how what a mother feels when you get a call like that. I know you raced to be with her. H how are you guys doing? What was that reunion like when you got to put your arms around her? Uh -huh. 
it was my worst nightmare getting that phone call. And when I stood up to head for the car, I felt like my legs were going to give out because I couldn't believe what I was hearing on the phone. And yeah, we were happy that she was safe. I mean, um, I feel like she literally like dodged a bullet. Mm -hmm. Um, Natalie, you're incredibly, incredibly brave. We're in awe of what you endured and that you're sitting here with us today. You raised a great daughter. Natalie. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Claire, we're sending you our love. Um, and thank you for sharing your story. It's important, really important, not easy, but important. And just want to say thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. <sighs> oh, my gosh. You know, <laughs> this happens so often that sometimes I think you can yeah. become numb to it, but mm -hmm. not when you hear yeah. a young girl like that describe and you think about what they went through and you think of the families who don't get to be reunited uh, this morning. So yeah, she's very brave to come and tell her story. She it's is. important that she did. She is. All right, guys, let's turn now to the ongoing search for debris and answers after the U.S. military shot down three unidentified flying objects over the U.S. and in Canada in recent days. The White House is still trying to determine where they came from. Uh, NBC's Tom Costello has that story. Hey, Tom, good morning. Yeah, good morning, Hoda. U.S. officials say they are not actively tracking any new unidentified objects in the skies. The Pentagon says it still doesn't have the debris or the answers about the weekend objects that it shot down. Were they launched from another country, a spy agency? Was it something benign, like a weather balloon? The White House justifies the shooting by saying they could have posed a risk to a civilian aircraft. Four days since a U.S. fighter jet shot down the first unidentified object of the weekend and still more mystery than answers. The White House and Pentagon say they've not determined yet who launched the objects, downed in Alaska, the Canadian Yukon, and Lake Huron. In contrast to the suspected Chinese surveillance balloon brought down off the coast of South Carolina one week earlier. We know the first one was Chinese. They admitted it. They claimed it was a weather balloon. We know it's not. The White House says the weekend objects, about the size of a small car, were unmanned, not capable of propulsion, and not sending communication signals. While the Pentagon says it cannot rule out that the objects were conducting surveillance, with one flying over sensitive military sites, they all poised potential threats to civil aviation, including passenger planes. There was a very real potential risk to civilian air traffic. The ones shot down on Saturday, I'm sorry, uh, yesterday uh, was about 20,000 feet, and the two shot down Friday and Saturday were at about 40,000 feet. FAA regulations require unmanned free balloons to be tracked by radar. Operators must notify the FAA of every step of their balloon's flight. In extreme winter weather, U.S. and Canadian forces continue to search for remnants from the weekend shootdowns. So far, no luck. We've not recovered any debris from the three most recent shootdowns. But U.S. divers have recovered more electronics from the suspected Chinese spy balloon off South Carolina. On Monday, China claimed the U.S. has flown at least 10 surveillance balloons over Chinese airspace in just the last year. The White House says that's not true. And contrary to viral Internet speculation, aviation sources and the White House say there is no evidence that these UFOs are from another planet. There is no, again, no indication of aliens or extraterrestrial activity with these recent takedowns. 
Yeah, a lot of Internet chatter. By the way, a lot of criticism from Republicans who say President Biden owes the country answers about the objects that were shot down. The White House says it is regularly briefing members of Congress, all senators expected to receive a classified briefing on the matter later this morning. Hoda. All right. Tom Costello for us there in D.C. Tom, thank you. 16 minutes after the hour, we say good morning to Craig. Good to see you. Hey, Savannah Hoda. Good morning. Good morning to you as well. Rescue and recovery efforts in earthquake ravaged areas of Turkey and Syria are now entering a second week. The death toll continues to climb as rescuers cling to small glimmers of hope that more survivors can be found. NBC's Kelly Kobiea joins us once again from southern Turkey. Kelly, good morning to you. Craig, good morning. Well, so many hospitals in the quake zone have either been damaged, destroyed, or simply overwhelmed with quake victims that Navy ships like this have been turned into field hospitals. And here they tell us that people who are rescued from the rubble are brought directly here now for treatment. And incredibly today, more people are being pulled out alive. This morning, against all odds, almost 200 hours after the deadly quake, a teenage boy and his brother dragged out of the rubble. Search crews still pulling people out alive eight days after the earthquakes shook thousands of buildings to the ground. The phone just blows up. Come to this building, come to this building, come to this building, come to this building. Andrew Wallace from Maine is with a nonprofit search group. He volunteered to be here. His team rescued a 56-year-old woman days ago. Now they're crawling through this unstable apartment building after reports a young boy is still trapped inside. We're going to get in there and then we can leave the site or, you know, come out with some good news or bad news for somebody. This newly released security camera video showing the terrifying moment the devastating 7.8 quake initially struck. This main road completely destroyed. Living conditions across the disaster zone are dire. People forced to sleep in cars or tents with no access to toilets or running water. The reality in Syria even more desperate, with only one road in from Turkey and just two aid shipments crossing the border into opposition-held areas since the quake. Today, Syrian President Bashar al-Assad agreeing to open two more crossings, allowing critical supplies to reach people who have no food or shelter. In Turkey, more than 19,000 are injured. Among them, this baby boy rescued from a collapsed building. Doctors don't know his name or age because they can't find his parents. Seven-year-old Tanem Oker and her father Sem were trapped for 101 hours, five days. Dad was able to find a little space where there was air, she says. They played rock, paper, scissors in the dark to pass the time. He says, I promised my daughter we were coming out. The death toll in Turkey and Syria is now over 35,000 people and still rising. And rescue operations in seven of the 10 affected areas in Turkey have now been called off. But they continue in those three other areas. Another man rescued this morning. And that 17-year-old, we don't know his condition this morning. But, Craig, he was wiggling his fingers as he was being carried away. All right. Thank God. 35,000 is just unfathomable. Uh, Kelly Kobiea of Southern Turkey. Kelly, thank you. 
All right, let's get our first check of the weather. Al, I mean, this forecast is kind of warming up out here. It it is, but it's also a little on the wild side. We got 16 million people from the Pacific Northwest into the plains under winter storm watches, advisories, warnings, even some blizzard warnings up through the Dakotas. And we've got high wind warnings and wind advisories and watches stretching from Detroit all the way to Los Angeles and Sacramento for 96 million people. Big storm coming out of the Pacific Northwest. Second one, midsection of the country with a lot of rain. So here's what we've got. First system, that's going to bring rain, wind, and snow into the Midwest. That second storm moves from the Pacific Northwest into the Rockies, bringing heavy snow as well. Tomorrow, that first low exits into Canada. We've got a risk of severe weather from Houston to Nashville, also to El Dorado to Dallas. Late day severe storms, Kentucky to Texas. Then we move into Thursday. We've got snow and wind from Kansas to Michigan. A risk of severe weather from uh, western New York all the way down to New Orleans for about 32 million people. Heavy rain and severe storms. We're looking for the heaviest rain, about two to four inches in the uh, mid-plains. And then as we move into the Pacific Northwest, they've got some snow there. Heavy snow through the Rockies, anywhere from two to four inches stretching from Dodge City all the way up into the Great Lakes. And that's your latest weather, guys. All right, Al, thank you. Still ahead, new revelations from the trial of Alec Murdoch, including never-before-seen body cam video from the night of his wife and son's murders. We're going to have a live report right from the courthouse. And then how Kansas City is celebrating with the Super Bowl-winning Chiefs now back home and gearing up for a massive victory parade. But first, this is Today on NBC. Join Hoda Kotb for a brand new season of her podcast, Making Space. For season five, I am making space to talk to people who are providing a sense of hope and inspiration when life changes course. Uplifting conversations with inspiring individuals like NFL legend Drew Brees, singer-songwriter Ziggy Marley, and today's show co-anchor Savannah Guthrie as you have never heard her before. I found faith more viscerally not because the bad thing didn't happen, but because it did. I promise you, like me, will leave these conversations with some wisdom for your own journey, empowered and inspired to make space in your own life. New episodes of Making Space with Hoda Kotb are released every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Alpha One Niner, commence Wi-Fi device checklist. Laptops, on. TVs, streaming. Game console, console Smart thermostat, set for cuddle time. Doorbell camera, whoa, my package is here. Fast, reliable, able to power tons of devices inside your home at once. All systems go, you are clear for takeoff. This is Xfinity Internet, Wi-Fi built to wow. And watch the short film, The Aviators, now playing at Xfinity.com. Restrictions apply, actual speeds vary and are not guaranteed. We're back, 7.30, (laughs) months long mystery set to be solved today. Someone bought a record-setting Powerball ticket at this service station. Wow. It was back in November. (laughs) It was worth more than $2 billion, and lottery officials say that sole winner will be unveiled today. Wait, what? At that gas station? We're going to know? I guess. Wow. I mean, flowers? Change your number, you know, move. I hope you're ready. What am I? And they had to put a big B on because it said millions. They had to stick a B. B. They're going to find themselves with like a hundred cousins they never knew they had. (laughs) Cousins, aunts, uncles (laughs) too, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Let us start this half hour with some new developments at the closely watched trial of once prominent South Carolina attorney Alec Murdoch. Yeah, the court has now released body cam video. It's showing police arriving at the 
scene of his wife and son's murders shortly after Murdoch calls 911. NBC's Katie Beck is at the courthouse for us this morning. Katie, good morning. Good morning, guys. Prosecution saying they're going to wrap up their case midweek, but not before another twist in this trial. Two jurors testing positive for COVID-19 yesterday. They're going to be replaced by two alternate jurors, leaving just three alternates for the rest of the trial. Now both sides just holding their breath to get to the finish line. This morning, body cam video from the night Paul and Maggie Murdoch were murdered has been publicly released. The footage seen by the jury earlier in the trial shows a highly emotional Alec Murdoch sobbing yards away from his murdered wife and son. They did check him. Yes, sir. It's official that they're dead. It's bad. Check the pulses. The court also released Alec's second police interview. It's just so bad. They did it so bad. <laughs> He's such a good boy, too. Monday, jurors faced grisly images from the crime scene. A forensic pathologist describing how Paul was shot twice with a shotgun and Maggie five times with an AR-style rifle. Alex seemed getting emotional as Dr. Ellen Reamer described the trajectory of each bullet entering their bodies. What happened here was an extremely severe, immediately fatal injury. This is the right side of his head and it's horrible i know and um we can see the inside of the skull and but it, you know his face was spared meanwhile the prosecution put forward multiple forensic experts dna analyst rachel Wynn testified the steering wheel of the car alec has admitted to driving the night of the murders tested positive for blood on the steering wheel swab it was positive which is a result of um, blood identified Murdoch says he drove his Chevy Suburban to visit his mother that night and was gone from the house for about an hour and a half before finding the bodies. But the defense argues that blood could have been found if Alec first checked Maggie's body. And is that consistent with someone who has handled um, uh, Margaret uh, Murdoch's deceased body, which is unfortunately covered in blood, and then driving the vehicle? It's a possibility. And after extensive testing on the white T-shirt Murdoch was wearing when he interviewed with investigators, they could not conclusively find any evidence of human blood. The defense also calling into question unidentified yes. DNA. Male DNA under her fingernails, not from Paul, not from uh, Alec Murdoch. The foreign DNA to her, yes, they were excluded as contributors. We're learning more, Katie, about the defense plans getting ready to present their case. And there's always the age-old question, will the defendant himself, will Alec Murdoch, take the stand? Yeah, Savannah, the defense has made clear to the judge that they are eager to present their side of the story. They say it's going to take them about a week to do so. Sources close to defense counsel tell us they have not ruled out calling Alec Murdoch himself to the stand, but no official decision yet. They say that's going to be a game time call as they are presenting their case. Savannah. All right. Katie back at the courthouse. Thank you, Katie. All right. Coming up, guys, a Today exclusive on a teacher she sprang into action when a student's mom suddenly went into labor in the pickup line. Man. Their remarkable story, in their own words, just ahead. First up, a post-Super Bowl tradition. MVP Patrick Mahomes taking his magic to Disneyland. Kaylee Hartung, all ahead of another big parade for the Chiefs, huh? 
Hey, Greg, you know how they say act like you've been there? Well, the Kansas City Chiefs have for the second time in four years. As you know, they are celebrating being Super Bowl champs. Coming up, we will show you how Chiefs Kingdom welcomed the team back to KC and tell you about these plans for a victory parade that looks to be epic. Hello, parents, homeschoolers, and teachers. Trusty narrator here from the Who Sparted podcast. Our 15-minute episodes are perfect for car rides, bedtime, break time, class time, or any time. We make learning science and history fun and funny for 7 to 11-year-olds with new episodes every week. Look for Who Smarted on any podcast platform or at whosmarted.com. And teachers get a free subscription to our ad-free version by clicking educators at whosmarted.com. He would lie his way into their dreams. He was looking for James Bond girls. How fun would that be to be a Bond girl? Then twist them into a nightmare. This guy's done this before. He'll do it again. Until a group of women banded together to put him behind bars and keep him there. You have to participate fiercely, fiercely in what happens next. I'm Keith Morrison, and this is Murder in the Hollywood Hills, an all-new podcast from Dateline. All episodes of Murder in the Hollywood Hills are available now. To listen ad-free, subscribe to Dateline Premium on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or DatelinePremium.com. Welcome back. Well, just how big was Super Bowl Sunday and Rihanna's amazing halftime show? The game got a huge number. The third most watched television program ever. Wow. wow. Like ever in the history of ever. And then the audience actually yeah. grew when Rihanna came in for the halftime performance. Okay, here we go on some numbers. Nearly 120 million viewers tuning in during that concert, which makes that halftime concert yeah. the second most watched halftime show in all of Super Bowl history. Behind, yeah. people might be thinking, is it Prince? Is it yeah, Michael? Sure. Katy Perry. Katy Perry was number, number one. one. You were in the audience. You got you, to see her in person. I got to see her in person in the second quarter toward the end, yeah. despite the closeness of the game. Yeah. People went to the restroom, grabbed their snacks to be back in yes. place for the halftime. <laughs> yeah, yeah for sure. No yeah. one left at halftime. Yeah. So it was, it was epic. Uh, meanwhile, celebrations still going strong for those Kansas City Chiefs and their fans. And as they say, you ain't seen nothing yet, folks. NBC's Kaylee Hartung joins us with more. This is going to be some parade. <laughs> You know it is. Craig, good morning, you guys. Super Bowl Sunday turned into Victory Monday for the Chiefs and their fans. And yet no one is slowing down in Kansas City just yet. Get the confetti ready. Downtown KC is going to be rocking tomorrow for their Victory Parade. The Kansas City Chiefs returning home. Champions. The team plane landing with a Chiefs flag flying out the pilot's window. Screaming fans giving them a raucous reception. Head coach Andy Reid hoisting the Lombardi Trophy for the hometown faithful. A day after winning their second title in four years, Chiefs' kingdom is still celebrating. The city erupting Sunday night, setting off so many fireworks, the National Weather Service detected them on radar. Coach Reid basking in the glow. Never gets old standing right here. That game last night was a heck of a game. And putting rumors of his potential retirement to rest. I'm enjoying what I'm doing. and Got this guy over here that is a pretty good player. That pretty good player he's talking about, Patrick Mahomes. The quarterback fighting through pain in a previously sprained ankle after taking this hit in the second quarter. Mahomes reflecting on the injury with Jimmy Kimmel overnight. 
it was a bad moment because we were losing momentum in the game as well. So uh, we, I knew the pain shot up my entire leg, and I knew it was going to hurt the rest of the way out. Down 10 at the half, Mahomes fired up his teammates in the locker room. I knew if I challenged the guys to leave everything uh, they had, I had to leave everything I had on the football field. The Chiefs did just that, dominating the second half and making the 27-year-old Mahomes a two-time Super Bowl MVP. Mahomes heading straight to Disneyland with his family. Another once-in-a-lifetime moment? For Chiefs offensive lineman Nick Allegretti, a championship and twin girls in the same day. His wife Christina giving birth to two little Chiefs fans just hours before kickoff. They're very happy. Kansas City now gearing up for Wednesday's victory parade with hundreds of thousands of fans expected to flood downtown to celebrate football royalty. I mean, hopefully the, the weather's a little bit better than it was for that last parade, Kaylee. What, what can folks expect this time? Yeah, that is something to keep an eye on, Craig. So expect something like you have never seen before. Like you mentioned, that weather last time in 2020, it was frigid. It was freezing cold. And it was estimated nearly a million fans turned out for the parade then. The weather forecast is looking much warmer this time around, so the crowd could be even bigger, if you can imagine that. And how about this? Many of the schools in the area have already canceled classes, so the kids can attend too. Pretty cool. Love to see it. As they should. Kaylee Hartom. Thank you, Kaylee. Thank you, Kaylee. All right. The weather looks pretty good. Partly cloudy temperatures in the 40s. Okay. Okay. Nice. Let's have a parade. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) And leading that parade, how about some snow plows? Remember yesterday we were telling you about uh, Minnesota's uh, class of 2023, the newly Mm -hmm. named newly named snow plows from your blizzard harry to scoop there it is well one of them one of the one of the folks who was actually that had had their themselves named after it blizzo had a nice reaction take a look to know that there is a snow plow named blizzo makes my heart melt or freeze <laughs> All right. I love it. So there you have it. The class of 2023 superstars. Now, they're not going to be using those as snowplows anytime soon in parts of Minnesota. We're looking, look at these temperatures today. Chicago, 53. That's 18 degrees above average. Charleston, almost 20 degrees warmer than average at 64. Here in New York City, low 50s. Memphis, 66. Oklahoma City, you're going to see 68 degrees. Tomorrow, Boston, 55. Double nickels there for your, your cousin from Boston. Uh, Pittsburgh, 68. That's 28 degrees warmer than usual. And those temperatures stay fairly warm. New York City, Thursday, 62. By Saturday, though, down back to normal. 41, same in Pittsburgh. 53 in Nashville by Saturday. 39 in Boston. And that's your latest weather, guys. All right, Al, thank you. Still ahead. Valentine's Day celebration, folks, on Popstart. We're going to reveal the most beloved love songs, TV couples, and rom-coms of all time. Okay, then a team of experts will be right here answering your biggest relationship questions, and you can count on some sweet surprises along the way.